0: Wonderful. I am so glad to see all of you here this morning as we step into our first story of Jesus in this new sermon series we are going to walk through this summer. We're calling it Once Upon a Time, the stories that Jesus told. And this morning we're going to return to Matthew chapter 13 uh, to examine the first parable of the teaching ministry of Jesus, the parable of the soils. Now, if you remember from last Sunday, we introduced this series um, with a conversation that Jesus has with his disciples right after he tells this parable publicly for the first time. And in this conversation he has with his disciples, they ask him the question, Jesus, why are you all of a sudden teaching the crowds in parables? And if you remember from last week, the answer Jesus gives them may have shocked you a little bit. It was a twofold answer. Jesus basically said, first of all, the parables are to reveal the mystery of salvation to those who are following Him, the ones who are putting their faith in who He said He was, and believing all of the things that He had already taught. Plainly, It was to reveal the secret, the mystery of salvation. And when we say secret, we're not talking about some cryptic hidden thing. We're talking about a, a new fulfillment of what had already been revealed in the Old Testament. Jesus came to fulfill. And he says, I've got a, a mystery. I'm going to teach you about the salvation that the fathers of our faith have longed to see. So it was to reveal the truth to the ones who were listening. But the parables were also to conceal the truth, to cover it up. You say, well, why would Jesus ever want to cover up his teaching from anyone? It was to conceal the truth from the ones who had already, already rejected his public ministry. All of the teaching that he had already given and they had closed their hearts to what he had to say. They had made their decision. And the message Jesus has is no longer for them because they have rejected him. Even to the point of blasphemy when they accused him of healing through the power of Satan himself. That's how far their unbelief went to even accuse him of being empowered by Satan to perform the miracles that he had performed. And so Jesus, in the parables... For those people, he is bringing a righteous judgment on them because of their unbelief. And if I want to review real quick, verses eleven and twelve in Matthew thirteen, in Jesus' explanation, he says, "He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them." He's talking to his followers. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Again, talking about his disciples, the ones who were receiving his message with faith. He says, I'm going to open up so much truth to you, even more than you've had before. But whoever does not have the hearts of the Pharisees and those who are following them, even what they have will be taken from them. Because you remember their righteousness was based on their works, on, a, on their self-righteousness. Um, and he says that is not going to be good enough. So after he explains the purpose of the parable that he just taught, he keeps his promise and he sits and explains the meaning of the parable of the soils to his followers. And so I want us to begin this morning by reading the parable as Jesus told it to the crowd in the first portion of Matthew 13. And then we're going to skip down to the latter portion of the chapter and read Jesus' explanation as he sat with his disciples after the big crowd public teaching and explained it to them. So if you'll look in your Bibles to Matthew 13, we're going to begin in verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he scattered the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly. Because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. And so then later on, as he gets privately with his disciples, he explains to them, and we skip down to verse 18. Listen then what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Now, because I want us to be sure that we have a clear understanding of this parable, this is perhaps one of the most important, maybe the most important parable that Jesus told in his ministry. So it's very important that we understand exactly what this story means. And so we're going to tackle it in two parts for time's sake. We're going to look and we're going to introduce the story and then we're going to look at the first two soils today. And then I want you to come back next Sunday and we're going to look at the last two and wrap up the story. And so I want us to begin... Verse by verse, we're going to go back to Matthew 13 and start with verse 3. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. Stop right there. First, before we can understand the story, we have to know who is the farmer and what kind of seed is he sowing. At that present moment, the farmer, the sower, was Jesus himself. But for our application, the sower is anyone who shares the true message of the gospel. And the seed is what? The gospel. The seed is the true gospel. Not a fake gospel. But the true gospel. The message of salvation. That God has sent Christ to rescue us from our sin and redeem us into a relationship with him. Now Jesus was very intentional about the way he told parables. You notice that Jesus' parables weren't full of fantastic, out-of-this-world type things. They weren't fantasy. They weren't sci-fi. They were, they were very much uh, everyday life. Jesus told his stories with characters and settings and situations that were a common part of everyday life for the people he was teaching. And so in this region of Galilee, to tell a story about farming... Made sense because it was a community of farmers. everyone there would have understood anything that Jesus had to say about farming. Many of them were farmers themselves, and a farmer of that day who would go out to the fields to sow seed would have a large bag, a, a large shoulder bag that he would carry with him, and it would be full of seed, seeds for, for wheat or barley or whatever he was going to be sowing, and as he would walk,. Through the field, he would reach in with his hands and grab as much seed as he could possibly hold, and he would just literally throw it just everywhere he would he would scatter the seed. Um, the language almost implies a a a broadcasting. this wasn 't a sowing of seed that was um, like some of us when we plant plants, where we, we dig a specific hole and we put the seed in the hole and then we cover it up. This is not the way this kind of seed was sown. It was a broadcast. As he walked through the field, he's just throwing as much seed, a generous portion of seed everywhere as he walks. See, there's another purpose to this parable. Remember, he's trying to teach and instruct the ones who are following him. He's trying to train his disciples and instruct them. And I want you to think about if if we were his disciples at this point in his ministry, what would we have seen so far? Jesus has drawn huge crowds of people to come and listen to him. He has performed miracles. He has preached before thousands and thousands of people. And the disciples had seen this, and they had seen the big crowds that he drew. And they had heard the message that he preached. But don't you think at this point they would have begun to wonder if what he says is true, why is there so few of us? Why is it that he preaches to thousands upon thousands of people and there's only a few of us that are here with him now? There were lots of people that heard Jesus' message. There were lots of people that followed to listen to him preach and perform miracles, but there was a very few who were actually becoming his disciples. And it would have been really easy for them, as well as it would be easy for us, to think and wonder, is this for real? Like if what he says is really true, shouldn't more people be getting on boat, getting on the boat here? Shouldn't, there, shouldn't more people be following because what he says is true. Why aren't more people coming? And they could have gotten very easily discouraged. Maybe sometimes we feel like that as believers. We go, we, we know what life in Christ is like and we think, how in the world can people reject it? What are we doing wrong? What is it that we're doing wrong that's making people not come to the Lord? Um, and, and maybe they were thinking, what is it about Jesus Is he doing something wrong? Are we doing something wrong? What what is the deal? And so Jesus is training them. He's teaching them. And that's the purpose of this parable, is to explain to them a very important principle. It was important in, in the first century during this time. It's, I feel like, even more important now in the 21st century. And this is the principle. The difference in the crops had nothing to do with the sower Nor the seed. The difference was the soil. You notice all Jesus says about the seed and the sower is right there in that verse. There was a sower and he went out to sow seed. He doesn't talk about the sower and the seed for the rest of the story. You know why? Because the story is not about the sower and the story is not about the seed. The difference when the true gospel is preached, the varying results are not because of the message and it's not because of the person who shares it. The difference is the heart of the person who hears it. Our calling as a church is to spread the message of the gospel as far and as wide as we can. We are to be that farmer who broadcasts the gospel Everywhere we can possibly scatter it. And as we are doing that, it's easy for us to think, again, why aren't more people coming? Unfortunately, too many people, even in the church, think that the gospel can become more effective by changing the people who sow it and the way we sow it. Or maybe the seed itself. Don't we think that way sometimes? Well, if the preacher would dress differently then maybe he would be more effective, right? Um, Maybe if the building was designed differently, if we decorated everything in a different way, if we had fog, if we had lights, if if we made everything look more aesthetically pleasing, then maybe that would bring more people to Jesus. If we made the message a little bit easier to hear, if we made the message of the gospel just a little bit less offensive and hard, then maybe more people would be saved. And it's a huge temptation for us to think that way. And it's also easy to question ourselves when we are faithfully sharing the truth of the gospel and people aren't responding. We can become discouraged. I remember when our faith ministry was strong. There would be some nights in our faith ministry where we would have 50, 60 people go out, share the gospel with dozens of people and come back and we would say there was no response. There was no, no questions, no We didn't get to even, some nights we went out and didn't even get to share the gospel with anybody. And it was discouraging. And it would be easy for us to think, what are we doing wrong? And Jesus says, it's not about the sower. The farmer in the story isn't doing anything different with all four Of the soils. You you get that? The sower is not doing anything different. And he's not sowing a different kind of seed in each soil. The seed is the same. And the farmer is sowing it the same. We have to remain consistent. With the message. And the way we present it. So the difference is not in that. It's in the soil. So let's look at the first two soils this morning. Look at verse 4 of Matthew 13. Jesus says, as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Now, if we skip down to verse 19 in chapter 13, Jesus explains what this seed and this soil means. Verse 19, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom, And does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. Here's what the first soil represents, the hard heart. The first soil represents the hard heart. The hardest ground in the field would have been the paths that separated one field from the other. There were, there were paths in a, in a huge field like this. There would have been paths that were cut out in between the portions of field that the farmer would walk through. And that's where they would go through to sow the seed. There was a path. And when travelers would be traveling by foot through the country, these paths were also the places that they would walk through. If they had to cut through somebody's field, they would walk along that path. And because the path had been walked on over and over and over, it was packed down, it was hard, it was untilled, unbroken, and hard. And when the seed fell on that ground, it was too hard to be received into the soil. And so it just lay on top, easily exposed for the birds. And you can bet when the sower was out sowing seed that the birds were hanging around. Because they knew in this broadcast of seeds that were being scattered, there was going to be lots, several that fell on the hard path that wasn't going to penetrate the soil. And so the birds would come. And they would follow right behind the farmer. And they would quickly steal away that seed. That hard ground describes the heart of the Pharisees. um, And the ones who were following the misguided leadership of the Pharisees. This was actually the majority of Israel that Jesus is talking about here. They had already made up their minds about Jesus about who he was, and there was really nothing that he could say or do that was going to change it. And even though the Pharisees constantly were asking for signs and miracles, perform some wonderful miracle for us, Jesus, so that we can know who you are, it still never changed their hearts. And Jesus actually said that to them. It says, he said, it doesn't matter what I do. Your hearts are hard. You're closed off to me. There is nothing that I can say or do that's going to penetrate your heart, because you've already made your choice. There are those kind of people who live here today in our culture. They are closed in their mind and their heart to God and His Word, and it doesn't matter how many times they hear the gospel or see it in action in the lives of believers, they won't believe it. They will always reject it. This is the person who isn't concerned with the things of God at all. This is the person who is indifferent to anything spiritual. They see no need for it. And they consider it foolish or silly to believe in such a thing. This is the fool that Psalm 14 verse 1 says. There is no God. This is the hard heart. In Proverbs seven, When it describes those who despise wisdom and instruction. That is the person with the hard heart. And because the gospel can't penetrate their heart and their mind. They lay easily accessible for the work of Satan. Right? The seed just lays on top of the ground. And, and, and their lives lay open. Because Satan comes quickly. And steals away the truth of the gospel from them. So that by no means would they ever, ever have a chance to believe it. He steals it away, and oftentimes he steals the seed away through that person's own pride, their own doubt, and their own stubbornness. So the first soil is the hard soil. It's the hard heart that is completely closed off to the message of the gospel. But then I want us to look at the second soil this morning. That is in verse 5. Verses 5 and 6. Then Jesus says, Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Jesus gives the explanation for the stony ground in verses 20 and 21. He says, The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The second soil represents the superficial heart. The first one is the hard heart. The second one is the superficial heart. So so when seeds would land on the rocky, shallow soil, it would spring up very quickly. The seeds would go into that shallow soil. They would begin to germinate, and something would, would grow up very quickly, But as the roots began to develop in that plant and those roots began to go down, they would hit a layer of stone that would be directly under the topsoil. And from the surface, there would be no way to tell if there was stone underneath that soil or not for the farmer. But the seed would begin to grow. But as those roots would grow down deep, they would hit this limestone rock layer. And so when roots can't go down, they go a different direction. So they, start to, they have to start growing back up. And when those roots go down and they start growing back up, then the roots become exposed to the heat and the scorching of the sun. And because there's no deep ground for the plant to gain nutrients from, the plant very quickly dies away this represents the person who responds to the gospel with a superficial commitment that produces a quick emotional response that never actually takes root in their heart this soil brings a religious experience but not a genuine salvation This is characteristic of the people whom we see often respond to the gospel with much eagerness, much emotion. Um, they, They walk the aisle. They pray the prayer. They sign the card. They get baptized. They show lots of enthusiasm for the church. They're involved in everything, but it's the product of an easy believism. Folks, the church overall for many years has been guilty of promoting an easy believism that all you have to do to be in a relationship with Jesus is just walk down the aisle and pray a prayer and sign a card and you are in. And so many people respond to the gospel that way. And and this is the soil of their heart. And Jesus says it doesn't produce a lasting life. It produces an emotional, religious experience that only lasts for a little while, and then it goes away. It's, Jesus says that joy, that they receive it with joy, and that joy lasts until what? Jesus says, when trouble comes, when persecution, when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, what happens? They fall away very quickly. They came to Jesus with the thoughts that everything would be great from that point forward because maybe somebody told them, if you just let Jesus invite Jesus into your heart, everything will be great. And they believed it. But then when trouble came, when life begins to get real in the life of a believer, and, and you start to experience the trouble of the world. They say, hey, hold on, wait a minute. This is not what I signed up for. Their joy is scorched by the heat of trouble and suffering, and their commitment and faith will die with it. Months and even years sometimes after they make a commitment to Christ, what develops is no evidence of any change, any fruit in their life at all. There is no lasting perseverance Therefore, there is no genuine faith. There was an English evangelist in the 1700s named George Whitfield, And the story, uh, it's been told of him that he would preach. He would do lots of outdoor evangelism events, and he would preach to thousands of people. And people would ask him after he would preach one of these events, he would say, Mr. Whitfield, how many people got saved at Today, How many people gave their life to Jesus? How many people came into the kingdom? And Whitfield would reply, well, we'll see in a few years. And and what he was saying was very true. He didn't count just because somebody made a profession of faith that that was a genuine commitment to the Lord. And what we have kind of done in modern day culture and even in modern day church is we've built this system of numbers that if we could just get people to walk down an aisle and we can put them in the water, then we count that as a baptism. And we, we count those numbers. And, but how many of those people experience real, genuine salvation that lasts through the trouble and the pain and the persecution that the world brings on them? Too often, a shallow response to the gospel comes because the gospel has been falsely preached or falsely represented. When people are emotionally manipulated with promises of health and wealth and prosperity, it will produce this kind of response. And when people are whipped into an emotional frenzy through dramatic words and stories and sometimes even music, and they're called to respond to Jesus with their emotions rather than with their mind, it will also produce this kind of response. It's a temporary religious experience that has no root. Because Jesus, when he talked about the kingdom, he didn't make promises like that. He didn't make promises like prosperity theology and 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 some evangelists make today. Jesus would respond to superficial followers with warnings of hardship and suffering. When they would come to him and say, Jesus, we want to follow you, Jesus would warn them. And he would say, maybe, maybe you do, maybe you don't. Here's what it's going to mean if you follow me. This is what is going to come. It's almost as if his call to the gospel was not come and live your best life now, which is what many people will preach. Jesus' call to the gospel was more come and give up your life now, come and lose your life, come and die. Well, that's not going to be super popular. So people will turn away from that message. If we want to create numbers, if, if, if we as a church decided that numbers were our thing, oh, we could do it. We could blow out great music and I could, I could stir your hearts and your emotions with these great stories. And then I could, I could get you to walk the aisle and pray a prayer and make you cry. And then two years down the road there would be nothing. No evidence of any kind of fruit in your life because we've sown seed in shallow soil. But now I, I I do want you to understand that there's gonna be shallow soil no matter how responsibly we share the gospel. No matter how responsible and true we are in sharing the gospel, there is always gonna be. Shallow soil, superficial hearts like this. If a person's profession of faith in Christ doesn't involve a deep conviction of sin, a real sense of lostness, a hunger and thirst for truth, and a willingness to suffer for the sake of Christ, then it's only a matter of time before that will show itself to be empty faith. The song we just sang in our worship time, said we will overcome by what? By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. The shallow heart can't overcome. The superficial heart doesn't overcome the trials that life brings it through the blood of Christ and through the word of their testimony because it's shallow. When trouble comes, they quit. They leave. They fall away. Neither of these two hearts this morning, neither the hard heart nor the superficial heart is fertile ground for genuine salvation. Neither of these people are saved. Even though the shallow heart looks to be on the outside but you remember I told you that the sower when he's throwing the seed out the shallow soil the top of it looks the same as the good soil it's what's underneath it is that layer of rock how deep is the soil neither of them are fertile for genuine salvation and so next week we're going to see the other two soils. Because honestly, if we wanted to get do the other two this morning, you'd be here another 30 minutes. And I'm not going to do that to you today. But I want you to come back. Because we're going to go back. Because these two are important, but the last two are, are even more important. And I believe that every person who hears the gospel will respond in one of these four ways. Like these are... These are the different ways people respond to the gospel. If there were more than these, I think Jesus would have included them in his parable, don't you think? He would have said, Here are, here's another way, here's a fifth way, here's a sixth way. And you know what that says about us? That means that, that for all of us, one of these soils describes our heart. And so that's why next week it's really, really important that you come back. So that we can talk about the last two. So for the ones who are earnestly sowing the seed of the gospel this morning. The ones of us who, who know the gospel. The ones who, who share it and look for opportunities to share it on a daily basis. Jesus' encouragement to you is know that you are going to see more rejection and superficiality than you will see real transformation. You realize that of those four soils, only one really produced life. That's one out of four. Jesus is saying, don't be shocked. Don't be surprised that my message is rejected. Don't be surprised that people have such a shallow understanding of their commitment that they make that it doesn't last, that it falls away. Don't be shocked. It was an encouragement to the disciples to say, this is why when I preach to so many thousands that there's only a few of you who are sticking around. There's only a few of you who are really earnestly following after me. But you know what the encouragement should be as well? Is even though we're going to see more rejection than we see genuine transformation, that doesn't mean the sower quits sowing his seed, does he? <laughs> he still. Every time he reaches his hands in that bag, he grabs as much as he can grab, and he tosses it as far and as wide as he possibly can. That is our responsibility. No matter what kind of soil the seed of truth falls on, what kind of heart it falls on, it won't fall anywhere unless we are sowing it so next week we'll see that the result of the seeds that find the good fertile soil is worth all of the seeds that fall on the soil that doesn't grow when we look at what jesus says about the good soil (laughs) it makes it worth it